Are you interested in learning how to trade in the stock market, but life keeps getting in the way? Do you find yourself continually putting off your investment plans until they're completely forgotten or subconsciously delaying because you're confused and afraid to take action? Valiant Trading offers guidance to the beginning trader who desires guidance on how and where to start. Valiant Trading offers aspiring traders the first step in growing their portfolio, gaining the knowledge, skills, and mindset to help one's investment grow. For more information on Valiant Trading's training programs and services, visit ValiantTrader.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the New Normal Podcast, where we're talking about current events, philosophy, preparedness, and more. My name is Sal. With me, as always, is my good friend, Quentin. Say hi to everybody, Quentin. What's up? You staying warm out there? And we didn't even lose power. Well, we, we did for a second, but it was our personal transformer. Yeah, it's been a little sketchy. If you guys are just now uh, hearing about it, there's been a rather large freezing storm in the great state of Texas where both Quinton and I are located. So that's what this show is going to be about. We're just going to touch on a couple of headlines and uh, really just kind of give our opinion on everything that's been going on, all the sensationalism kind of fear mongering that's been happening and how we got ourselves into this situation, us being our resilient Texas do it, uh, do it yourself mentality. Yeah, and if you're not from Texas, like this still applies to you because how we ended up in this situation could actually end up happening to you if the wrong legislation is passed or if the same tricks are pulled on you to try to get you to do the same things that we did as a state that ultimately ended up causing this disaster. Because this disaster actually is man-made, 100%. Yeah, pretty self, self-inflicted self and there's been quite a few back and forth conversations just, you know, watching it happening on social media. Um, when, when all of this happened, I mean, everyone was kind of thumbing their frozen fingers and noses at uh, renewable energy and windmills and everything green energy related. And the ironic part about of all of that is our state, the state of Texas itself runs off very little renewable energies. And by and large, it was natural gas and everything else that everyone keeps touting as, you know, the savior of our energy is what failed us. I mean, there's no one energy sector that is free from finger pointing. But at the same time, we just kept going back and forth. I kept saying this back and forth, back and forth of, you know, well, look at all these frozen wind turbines. Look at all these uh, great green energy solutions. If we just had coal, if we just had this. And I think one of the other statistics that I saw, I have a graph in front of me. Hopefully I'll pull it up while I'm saying all of this, but it was almost 43%, 46% of our state runs off natural gas, 18% off coal. 11% on nuclear and 23% and 2% are renewable energy being wind and solar. And so with natural gas, coal and nuclear all failing because of the, the hard freezes that we were having, just the shutdowns, everything that was kind of leading up to this, even though we were warned weeks ahead of time, uh, it's just kind of ironic, this back and forth, uh, conversation that's been happening again, Solar is not to blame. Wind is not to blame. Natural gas isn't to blame. They're all to blame. 
And and really, it's yeah. the leadership and the legislation and the deregulation that got us here. So I know you had some some thoughts on that, and I've got a couple of headlines that we can just kind of bounce off each other and then see what uh, see where it takes us. So I'm going to kind of paint a grim picture, and I'm going to give a brief history of ERCOT and deregulation. It's going to be very brief. It's going to be in a nutshell, but it's going to basically give everyone an idea of what occurred. So we got ERCOT in the 70s, and we were joking last night, Sal, and a group of our friends that it's it's funny that, you know, a certain, like, main politician came down to Texas and was, like, this energy tycoon right around the time we get this lovely thing uh, called ERCOT, which is basically um, managed our grid in a rather subpar way. But then later, this main politician's son, who's also from Maine, named George Bush, deregulates Texas energy and our grid. And we were sold that here in this state as like, well, it was all dog whistles and tongue in cheek innuendo. Like, well, we, you know, we can go it alone and one day we'll secede and we'll be independent. And they kind of sold it to people on this, like, we'll have a better grid. We can do it better. We're swimming in a sea of energy and it's all, it's grand. Um, And it was all a lie from the beginning. Um, Basically everyone remembers the Enron scandal and what happened there. Um, You know, that, that, Enron was here in Houston, um, and they basically deregulated our grid so that they could end up scalping and trading energy futures off of people's fluctuating prices. And we ended up getting smart grids because of that, because they needed to track individual use, because, I mean, they're using algorithmic trading in computer systems to do this and basically taking just fractional profits off every trade. So... What they did is instead, you know, these private corporations ended up owning our grid and we had retail electric providers and then we had, you know, distributors and we had lines companies and we all ended up private on the Texas grid. Well, it was, you know, it it was sold that it would reduce our bills. Uh, It was one of the big talking points. And there was a lot of conservatives back in the day and conservative Democrats that said it would just never happen and we would end up with a derelict uh, and defunct grid. Um, And that's exactly what happened. Um, they don't reinvest like when when our electricity was co-op and it was basically government controlled. There was a forced reinvestment in upgrading, and it would cost you more money sometimes. But your power was much more consistent. Like this seems as if it was a record storm, and it was a, a very serious. You know, they keep saying it's a once in a 120 year storm. That's what our our state government keeps saying. That, that that's a lie. We had a storm just like this in 1983. My dad remembers it very well. We didn't have these same problems. Texas did not lose power. It was not a crisis. Um, And people can say, oh, it's because we didn't have wind. No, it's actually just because we weren't as reliable or not as we weren't reliable at all on natural gas. We didn't have pipelines freezing. It was mostly coal at the time. And our transportation um, and uh, reliability and infrastructure systems that protected that coal Uh, were much better at the time. We were actually mining coal on site of most of these power plants. Um, And so uh, getting the coal from the, the, you know, its source into the plants was very easy. We actually had coal fail us this time too, because we couldn't even keep the coal from freezing because we no longer mine on site. We have to, we have to bring in a lot of coal from other parts of the country or world. And so, you know, our coal actually was failing too, because it was freezing. Um, but we didn't have these problems and our, our actual grid was more ruggedized and the, uh, it was winterized. Um, and a lot of those mechanisms have been removed over the years because they've just kind of gutted and lean engineered 
our grid here and they put these smart meters on everyone's grid uh, or everyone's house to, you know, it was, like I said, it was to trade and it was to monitor your uh, usage, but it was also, I mean, the smart meters can actually shut down your house. It can, they can just shut down whole blocks with just these meters. They can shut the power off coming to your house and then curb your use. So it was actually the lean engineer. I remember when smart meters were first introduced in Texas and just, I mean, obviously there was a conspiracy theories behind it, but then there was just the legitimate concerns of, well, if certain people are are using too much power, they'll just cut you off. I mean, it's the stuff that we're seeing in California. Yeah. And and they do, they just, they will, they just cut you off. And it was to basically, so they could lean engineer and provide us this very unreliable um, grid system and look I mean wind isn't bad like I'm not anti-renewables whatsoever wind and solar really aren't bad they've they have come a long way since we first started them but, but let's be very honest uh, they're not always super consistent because the wind has to blow and it, it has to be sunny right so they don't always provide a, a, an ample amount of power though it's rare when there is failures like that but it, it was to do that well why would they want in a state where we're swimming in fossil fuels why did they want to start renewables it's not because anyone in the state cares about the environment that's that's a joke if, if you've lived here long enough you know no one in the state government actually gives a damn about our environment it, it's because they wanted to export our resources it basically turned texas into a resource colony for the rest of the world instead of us using our natural resources here we're exporting them and that makes tra- that makes sense along with their trade model that they were implementing as well remember so they want to export our resources. They give us these renewables. And how does this actually occur? Well, it occurs because as time went on, the government became more and more strict about our coal power plants. Um, and Texas actually had the top five worst polluting coal power plants in the United States. They're actually all here in East Texas. And they produce the most amount of mercury, and they're just extremely toxic. But they, they, they've gotten away with it for years. Because they just can't, for whatever reason, they haven't been able to get that area off whole. But many areas, because they they weren't reinvesting in the power plants, they weren't reinvesting in the grid, uh, they weren't able to upgrade and shut down and turn around maintenance on these power plants was very expensive. So they didn't always have the funds because they were paying dividends to shareholders instead of reinvesting into our power plant. So a lot of these power plants ended up not making standards. A lot of these were gas. A lot of these were coal. Um, I'm very surprised they haven't gone after our nuclear plants, but it's probably because we just cannot handle the load at this point. Um, Comanche Peak in Bay City, they make a ton of energy, and, and Dallas and Houston can't be without reliable and stable energy. But they went after those plants, and you know, Bush is the one that deregulated us. Uh, he basically knew, you know, it, there's a saying, a Marx is saying that if you give, you know, the capitalist will sell you the rope that you hang him with, and it's not. That's not basically saying that they'll give you the implements to kill them with. It's basically saying that their bad behavior will give you the evidence or excuse you need to attack them. And so if you deregulate, if you just go laissez-faire, you know, late stage capitalism and you let people do what they wish with their money, then they're always going to provide you just enough service not to have you up in arms, but basically pocket as much as they can. And that's just the nature of people. It's the nature of business. It's not because capitalism is evil or anything like that. It's because people people just want to be successful and they'll do whatever they need to do that. But ultimately, we had a lot of restraints on this type of behavior. Our grandparents regulated these industries. They regulated the telecom industries. Sal and I have talked about this over and over again, that ultimately this deregulation of telecom 
and electrical and, um, you know, our, our internet, it hasn't actually worked out anyone's favor. It's always supposed to promote freedom, but it ends up promoting censorship, um, espionage, spying, and then now power outages and death. It doesn't actually end up working in our favor. Sometimes we do have to watch people and make sure they're acting in our best interest. And ultimately, the Obama administration came in after Bush and they put a bunch of egregious um, you know, standards on our power plants. Many of them had to shut down. He said, if you run a coal power plant, it'll necessarily bankrupt you. We all remember that. And so we end up with this big push in Texas for renewable energy, just like California. I mean, to the same degree. Well, why is that? Because we're swimming in a sea of fossil fuel. So why are we not using it? Well, it's because the regula- we deregulated. Then the federal government passed EPA standards that were much more uh, scrutinizing on uh, our power plants, uh, and we couldn't keep up with the standards, so many of them had to be shut down, and uh, they want to export our energy. And at the same time, nobody's winterized our grid. Nobody has uh, you know, installed anything like smart grids or anything like that, and smart grid – you know, for, for, for everything that it is, it wouldn't have prevented this. And it is just another way to lean engineer your grid because ultimately it would help them. It would help them basically further just continue this rolling blackout cycle, but it doesn't really fix the problem. It just it just fixes a symptom. And the problem was, is our, our, our grid wasn't winterized. Our, our gas pipelines weren't winterized and our coal wasn't being kept warm. And yeah, some of our wind turbines froze. Um, but actually, they got the wind turbines back up faster than they did the gas pipelines. Uh, and, you, and people can go look that up for themselves. The wind turbines ended up producing faster uh, on turnaround than the, the gas uh, plants did. That's a very serious problem. And Sal and I, we're on the eastern grid in Texas, and we didn't lose power. Uh, we have our you know tyrannical socialist uh, federal government power grid over here, but uh, we, we didn't go cold, and our water was still on. and uh, we just got to enjoy the snow and uh, to spend time with our families. Uh, so, you know, there's a give and take in society. And uh, capitalism is a mechanism that achieved a lot of greatness for the American people. But the American people don't live to serve the economy. The economy serves us. When the economy isn't serving us, then we have to question why that is. And ultimately, I, I can definitively point to the deregulation uh, of the Bush administration and the previous administrations before that that started ERCOT and the regulation. I'm not going to uh, to give a pass uh, to regulation, the uh, overregulation by the Obama administration on our legacy fuel um, power plants. But but even if they had overregulated, like let's say. Obama overregulated those plants and many of them shut down. That's fine. We have enough plants to meet demand. Our grid wasn't winterized, and that was deregulation that did that. So, you know, if the gas isn't flowing because it's frozen, it's not making it to your plant. It's not making it anywhere. It's, it wasn't even, sometimes it wasn't even making it to people's homes. Um, from what I understand, that, that could be false, but I've, I've seen reports of that. I mean, then you have a major problem, and, and it wasn't overregulation at that point. You know, who were you paying to maintain this infrastructure? Oh, that's right. A whole bunch of corporations that are busy trading futures instead of reinvesting your money, your money, you're paying that. And then these shareholders come in and buy stock in these companies and they get paid off of your, you know, expense. And, and I, I don't know. I just I, I feel like there is, you know, maybe our ancestors at the turn of the 20th century had seen exactly this behavior. And this this exact thing was going on. And you can look it up. It really was. 
And they were like, hey, yeah, that's that sucks. We're going to regulate these industries because, you know, people die when they don't get power. One to that point, looking at a map of uh, the parts of Texas, there's an article here from theweek.com. And it says the parts of Texas not on the ERCOT power grid appear to have weathered the freeze with few outages. And and to your point, Quentin, our family, thankfully, and and I mean, just... All I can say is we feel very blessed and highly favored in this situation. And there there now comes a little bit of the survivor's guilt that comes, you know, looking at these photos of pipes bursting in attics and icicles literally hanging off of people's ceilings. Um, and, you know, we, we've had the hardest job uh, this week is milking the cow outdoors and milking the goats in the barn in nine degree weather. Um, when you start to look at this article, it says Texas is nearing the end of what Governor Abbott called a once in an every 120 year cold front. But that doesn't entirely explain why more than a million households still have no electricity on Thursday after three full days of below freezing temperatures. Plenty of excuse me, plenty of places in the world keep their power on prolonged keep their power on in prolonged Arctic weather. So did parts of Texas. And so when you look at this map, it's literally the furthest Western areas like El Paso and the furthest Eastern areas, which are the county that uh, Quentin and I live on and East closer to Louisiana. And basically every county that borders uh, the Eastern side of Texas on this beam. So seeing how many people, I think it was at one point, uh, 4 million people out of power at any given time. It's just, I don't know, it's inexcusable. And it, it's it's sad to see where we've gone. Houston area. Yeah, probably just the Houston area. I, I, yeah, I think that was just the Houston area. So I, I think I think I heard up upward of like 15 million people without power at one time. And, and just to give some folks some more perspective on it, just a couple more numbers to kind of throw out there. 34 gigawatts generation capacity was forced offline. About 27 gigawatts comes from coal, nuclear, and gas capacities. So this is just, again, not, not an indictment on coal, nuclear, and gas. Also not pro wind and, and solar. It's just like everything failed us. And it comes yeah. from this lack of preparation, lack of planning, lack of reinvesting in these systems to ensure that everybody, I, I mean, we shit the bed on this one, we being yeah, our, our it, leadership. It, it, it's, I agree completely. And it, look, you don't have to be binary, guys. Like, just because, you know, A is A, it doesn't mean you have to immediately take the B position or something like that. All of these power sources are actually adequate. It was just the grid in place to maintain them that wasn't kept up. And it was just bound to fail. I mean, and ultimately, you know, people have windmills in the North Sea. There are windmills in the Arctic. There are windmills in Germany and in Scotland and places that are frigid. I mean, absolutely frigid. Iceland. They winterized their windmills. And, and Siemens offered to sell us winterized windmills. And I think I was reading or hearing from somebody that we opted to go with like Chinese um, non-winterized windmills because they were slightly less expensive. Well, we'll I, 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 yeah, yeah. I wonder, I wonder if we actually saved that money. 
I can promise you the energy companies did because they're not going to pay for your house uh, being damaged. They're not going to pay your pipes first. They're not going to pay, you know, for your lost wages. They're not going to pay for, you know, any other damage or illness that they caused you. They don't have to worry about that. You get to foot that bill. And and, in a sense, basically, we're subsidizing a a type of socialism for extremely wealthy corporations. And, you know, they don't have to provide us adequate services, but they could have bought windmills from Siemens. It wouldn't have been much more expensive, and we would have never lost power to those turbines. However, what would have been very ironic if that had happened is gas and coal would have still gone offline. You would have had wind power, and you wouldn't have had anything else. Yeah, I mean, you could almost replace the whole situation with power grid and the stock market and everything that we saw happen last month with all the financial just shenanigans and yeah. now 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 we're talking power grid shenanigans and there was a i think it was a dallas weather uh, reporter who was you know went on a very interesting rant almost almost a fear mongering rant but at the same time you've got a forbes article um, which i'll read their headline here and I'll, i want to get your take on it texas power grid was seconds or minutes away from complete failure, leaving the whole state dark, ERCOT says. This was published uh, today. Um, yeah, so I mean, we had, uh, I'm sorry, this was on, on the 16th. So today's the 18th, this was That's published so on the 16th. Serious. I mean, the, the, the weatherman was basically, basically saying the exact same thing. If the grid collapses, I mean, it would take months months to get back online because they got to restart it and they can't just like flip the switch i think that's what a lot of people i mean they have a misconception of how power works and i mean i'm not by any means uh, any stretch of the imagination an expert in this area i'm going off of what i've read what i've dissected over the last you know, three or four days um and, and just kind of absorbed through uh, osmosis um but yeah, this is this is very real. I mean, I even put it out there that if you want some free investment advice, go to Amazon and buy the book One Second After, which describes yeah, that's no joke. That is no joke. I mean, in that situation, it describes an EMP attack, an electric mag- magnetic pulse. But same situation, grid goes down, and <laughs> grid goes down, we go boom. Yeah, I mean, I don't think people realize how serious that is. I mean, it would take at least months to get the grid back up because the grid transformers at that point would probably be fried. I'm assuming it's not so easy just to start up a nuclear reactor either. The process is long, the same thing with the, I think it has to do with the turbines. Um, But the same thing with the, uh, you know, coal, coal power plant. Actually, I know for a fact it has to do with the turbines on on a nuclear power reactor, but the, the situation with the grid transformers is super dire because they come from South Korea. And I think the last I saw the, the delay time on a grid transformer from South Korea was like at least six months. Yeah. I mean, to, to put it into perspective, the turbines that power the Hoover Dam, when they went out, our government literally had to contract the Chinese to build them for us because we don't have the ability to build those here in this country anymore. So we, we wouldn't be able to use our own labor and manufacturing capabilities to produce these turbines. We'd have to rely on the good graces of a foreign country during a pandemic. And I don't know what the delay on that would be, but that was six months before COVID. So I imagine it's, it's a lot higher now. And that's assuming World War III doesn't start. That's not hyperbole. That could really occur because we lost the biggest power. We, we, we would lose power to the largest military base in the United States. We would 
three of our most strategic air force bases in the country. Our ports. Um, our ports, you know, three our hospital. bases. <laughs> our hospitals, you know, the oil and gas that comes out of the state, you know, we'd lose, we'd lose that too. That's quite a bit. The nation depends on that. I think that 70% or more of our refining capabilities come from this state. Only Beaumont would be able to refine for the country to so you leave out Texas City and Houston and Pasadena and Freeport out of that whole mix. That's very dangerous. So we're assuming we don't get invaded. We're assuming that people don't literally start turning on each other and, and mass violence, rioting. The pandemic gets worse. It, it, you know, even if that pandemic doesn't get worse, you're going to have plague because of unsanitary condition. You're going to see things like polio. You're going to see things like, uh, you know, cholera. You're talking about just hell on earth, literally. And, and we don't know that the United States could actually survive that. I would be willing to bet that the United States actually wouldn't survive that. And we came minutes away from losing the Texas grid. That should be really concerning to everyone. And it wasn't wind that did it. It was your politicians that dog whistled to you, telling you that when we had our own independent grid and it was deregulated, we would secede one day. And, and they were lying the whole time. They just wanted to basically trade off of your backs, have you pay for it, and then suffer the consequences. Well, the scariest and they part they literally about played with the safety of the whole country. Yeah, and the scariest part about that is, I mean, we're, we're into this Thursday, and people have still been out of power since Sunday of this past week. And even as I say this in the same Forbes article, there's a, there's a what to watch for. And it says that ERCOT announced today, Thursday, that it was ending the rolling blackouts, but may need to restart them over the next couple of days to keep the grid stable. And again, I, I don't know anybody in Texas who's not following this, but for our you know people who who subscribe to the show, we thank you uh, for subscribing, and we're sorry we don't make these as frequently as possible. But beside the point, um, the fact that we're still under a winter storm warning again as of thursday today the february 18th we have another freezing rain we saw snow just this morning my wife was out yeah. tending to the goats and there was snow again i mean as as few and far between as the as the flurries were it's getting cold again and another freeze um one of the gentlemen who runs our water co-op and uh, I'm super thankful because again, I'm I'm off this ERCOT grid. I'm on a co-op power grid. I'm on the eastern uh, eastern power grid. So we're we're connected to Louisiana essentially. Um, but I'm also on a water co-op, and so he's been running around up and down our our freeways, you know, fixing busted pipes and everything south of my house of of where we live in that in that district in that water district because of bursted pipes had no water for the last three days. I was completely oblivious to that. And, and again, a little bit of that survivor's guilt coming into play. I'm in, I'm in that water co-op, yet everyone south of me had no water for three days. And we've had water, we've had power. I mean, we have propane stacked to the, to the gills, essentially, uh, for, our, for our propane heater. And again, not an electric heater because we didn't want to pull phantom power or any, you know, blow any more fuses than we needed to in case power went out. So, I mean, this is, this is what we talk about on, on the new normal, right? Is, is the preparation mindset and it, it can get hyperbolic at times, or it may seem like we get hyperbolic at times in, in terms of, you know, the grid shuts down and, and it's chaos and anarchy. You mentally prepare for those things so that when your power does come back on, you can have a sigh of relief. But what happens when it does not come back on? 
Absolutely. What are you doing? Like, what are you doing today to get yourself mentally, physically, spiritually, whatever prepared for the real possibilities? I mean, this is a Forbes headline. This isn't Alex Jones. This isn't, you know, uh, the punt, whatever. It's not, it's Forbes.com. Texas power grid was seconds or minutes away from complete failure. How does that not scare the shit out of people? Yeah. And we don't know that it still won't fail. Like that, that's, yeah, what's that's the point. Very scary. Yeah. We, that's we the actually point. still, we, we don't know that it won't fail. Um, it, it, it's, and, and actually I've heard that parts, I mean, some of the grids, the smaller grids throughout the transmission districts actually may have failed and they're going to need a, a rebuild. Uh, and there's good evidence of that because there's places that they just can't even roll power back on. So th- that actually may be the case. Um, and, and, but, you know, t- now, now we may be generating too much power and there's not enough use and they're not able to ground as much, but they can't shut the plants down because then they have to go through this whole restart and startup process again. So we're not out of the woods where we may actually be entering a more dangerous phase of the whole process, to, to be honest. Um, because at least when everybody was running all of their heat all the time, then they were drawing. But now it's going to warm up in the next couple of days. People aren't going to be drawing as much, but you've got whole sections that are still down and they're going to be down for a while. So that's that's weird. Um, I've never seen this before. I, I've never I, look. I've lived in the state my entire life. I've seen massive hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never once seen this. I've actually never seen power go out this long um, uh, from a grid problem at all um you know i've seen lines down from a hurricane right you know you see lines down from hurricanes it could take a month to restring those lines but you know the grid is intact nobody's worried about that um this is a whole new thing and i mean you can only hope that they're they're truly are trying to make legislation and governor abbott is trying to do something you know it's it's, it, it seems like a lot of grandstanding right now of you know put your hands on your hips and shake your finger and like, who's responsible. Who's going to fess up. Yeah. And that's the thing. Look, I mean, we're on co-op power. We have evil socialist power, whatever. in in, in East Texas, but you know what? I, I could tell you exactly who I could go uh, complain to if there was a problem. Right. Uh, and I, I know who that person is and they're a good person and they come from my community and uh, they're accountable to the people here because they live here. You know, I don't, I, nobody at ERCOT is accountable to us. Most of them aren't even Texans and nobody at these companies are accountable to you. How do you run these people out of office? Oh, oh, that's right. You don't, you don't run these corporations out of office. There's no, there's no utility district that you, you know, can uh, see the boards of the board of or elect the board. You know, there, there's just, there's no accountability really <clears throat> with this type of system. And, Not at all. uh, and and even ERCOT had to remove the board the the board directors' names from their website because of death threats. This is from Newsweek. Uh, ERCOT will restore board member names to the website after death threats prompted their removal. And there's now I think you even shared it the fact that they did restore them, but their contact information is no longer on there. And so people are just resharing right. their email addresses and phone numbers and you know, basically saying, hold them accountable, hold them to the fire. And the CEO, a couple of the board members, they live in Michigan or some, some whereabouts there. I mean, they don't even live here. So again, they're not accountable to us. They're accountable to their shareholders. These types of people, they're like CEOs of energy companies and stuff like that. These are, these are people who are, are career 
they're not bureaucrats. They are literally corporate, you know, raiders. That's that's the type of people they are, like yeah. the, the Mitt Romney types, the rubber right? barons, rubber barons. And <clears throat> you know, um, so I, I just there's no accountability there. There is something to be said for uh, certain types of government control for your essential utilities and being able to hold somebody locally accountable for failures. And then you know what? If you go say, hey, Bob, why is this happening? This is BS. And Bob's like, well, you need to talk to this guy because we asked for the funds to, you know, winterize the grid. And, you know, they wouldn't give them to us because of yada, yada, yada. You talk to this guy and he'll give you an answer. You know, you don't have that with this. You know, there, there is the buck doesn't stop with anyone here. They just all play this shell game. Uh, you know, who's in charge now? Well, no, but none of them really are. It's decentralized. And that's the, you know, I have said this over and over again on the show. You know, the, when we when I talked about deregulation of telecoms, well, they always knew that it would move into cell phones, right? And that they would be able to collect massive amounts of data on you and, and listen to you at any time and, and basically have a giant spy network you'd carry around in your pocket. But the government couldn't do that. They would need a warrant or wiretaps or, uh, you know, new legislation, which would never pass. It would be unconstitutional. So what did they do? Well, they just deregulated it, and then they, they you know, um, outsourced that tyranny to private companies. Now, they maintain that infrastructure our tax dollars basically paid for, and they spy on you all they want. And, and anytime they feel free to do so, they, they just, uh, or anytime they do so, they, they just, they're free to, um, you know, share that information willy-nilly with the government. There's no consequences. Then the government doesn't have the fruit of the poisonous tree clause, and they can use that information anytime they want that those telecoms have, have given to them on you. Not to say anybody's a criminal, anybody's doing something wrong, but we've seen an ever-moving goalpost of what criminal behavior or wrong think or wrong thing becoming criminal behavior is in this country. And we're, we're setting really dangerous precedents. So sometimes when they deregulate these institutions, it's just because they wouldn't be allowed to abuse you but they can get a corporation to do it for them. And then you don't actually have the ability to hold anyone accountable. And that's what we're seeing all across this country right now. We're seeing it with Facebook, Twitter, AT&T, Verizon, now, you know, Centerpoint and Encore and all of the power companies here in this state. And, and it could happen to you. It could happen to anyone in this country if you're not careful. Did you see the... Electric Reliability Council of Texas. This is ERCOT, their Facebook page uh, over the last couple of days. I did not. I, I, I didn't go on there. So obviously a millennial is running their, uh, their Facebook page because this is February 14th and this is just before the winter storm, right? This is four days ago. Unplug the fancy new appliances you bought during the pandemic and only used once. Hashtag conserve. Hashtag stop phantom energy. And it's a photo of a, a, like a Rite Aid uh, or a KitchenAid, excuse me, uh, mixer. And it has 550 comments, 312 shares, and mostly comments, mine included, saying this is going to age well. Uh, my sister-in-law actually commented yeah. on my sister-in-law commented on there saying, wow, how appropriate a condescending and ignorant remark coming from the very people who are in fact responsible for many people's deaths. I mean, the sentiment is not well, and well, to, it's so to their credit, they've left it on there. That's <laughs> <laughs> they haven't taken it down. Hey, you know, double down, you know, <laughs> I guess you got to know when to hold them. 
but you know, like obviously whoever wrote that is also just a moron with electricity because if they wanted to stop phantom draw, I mean, literally they could just tell people to shut off. You go to the breaker box and shut off sections of their house and just leave power, you know, to the heater. And then like one part of their house or something like that, or there's better ways than just finding every cord in your house and unplugging it. That's, that that's obvious. Obviously, was a millennial that wrote that. I mean, I'm a millennial, but like honestly, most of our generation doesn't know what the f they're talking about when it comes to mechanics or electrical. Or anything. <laughs> I mean, th- this Facebook page itself is just riddled with these kind of quippy millennial, post millennial, just kind of. Uh, Maybe it's a zoomer. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it. I would dare say someone maybe a little even a little bit younger than I am who who's posting this, who's running their social media. I mean, the, the tone has changed from, you know, quippy little remarks to we're working as hard as we can and yada, 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 just kind of keeping everything in line. Um, but even on the same day, February 14th, they posted close your blinds to conserve heat. You already know what it looks like outside hashtag conserve with a photo of closed blinds. And I'm just like, goodness gracious, who, who A, is allowing this and B, allowing it to stay up? Like, I, I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> I don't, it's, it's humorous. It's oversight on, on Zoomer or millennial logic. <laughs> like, it's, that's what it is. Yeah, it's, it's, oh my goodness. It's the Greg of all Gregs running that uh, running that social media right now i I just posted another comment saying this is the diamond hands of all social media accounts (laughs) (laughs) that's hilarious for all you stock market gurus out there and and reddits uh you should check out our last episode with a valiant trader tom and uh walden we we had a fun conversation around the stock market Uh, here's another headline for you um power grid operator texas is not out of the woods but system is stabilizing this kind of just goes off of what we were just saying that we're not we're not out of the woods and they could restart rolling blackouts again still many people in the state remain without power another article estimates around 600,000 people are still without power and millions have had their water service disrupted that's another talking point just not only did we lose power you know much of the state lost power but because of the strain on busted pipes, people leaving their faucets dripping overnight, uh, just the sheer fact that so many people are home uh, over the last week has taken its toll on water. I had an emergency alert on my cell phone for Lufkin, Texas, which I live damn near an hour away from Lufkin. I'm not even on Lufkin's water system at all, nowhere near it. And yet, I get an emergency alert saying the city of Lufkin is out of water. And then the city of Chester, which is in our county, also posted from their mayor that their tanks were running low. The city of uh, our, our county seat, they're running low. The tanks are running low. It's like the water situation is now becoming even more. It's, it's this domino effect of electricity going out, water going out. Now, what's next? What's like the straw that's going to break the camel's back if we don't get a handle on this situation? Yeah, that's the problem with infrastructure is you can have cascading failures. Like if the reverse was true, if power plants couldn't get water, you could have a loss of power. So <laughs> it's it's actually pretty bad. Now, most power plants suck suck water from like stuff. 
that are that are built on site. But I mean, that that holds true. You know, like there is a symbiotic cycle to infrastructure, and once something goes, you end up with cascading failure. So I, I don't know where we go from here. But I mean, I you know, like we were talking with our friends last night, and I was like, I think this is going to end up being more expensive than Harvey, which was. I think one of the most expensive natural disasters in the history of the world. Um, but, you know, and he was like, no, not even close. And I'm, I'm like, uh, yeah, this is statewide. And I think that, you know, millions of people have damaged their homes, not just like 100,000 homes. I think this is going to be millions of homes with damage in apartment complex. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's not just homes. You, you've got, you know, tons businesses. of people in the state that live in apartments that have just wrecked apartments. Yeah, commercial buildings. I mean, all Absolutely. all that plumbing that's in there that's frozen, water sprinkler systems that have failed. And like, I mean, I've seen pictures of icicles coming down from ceilings and ceiling fans. And it's it's ridiculous. It's scary. I mean, to say the least. And it's it's heartbreaking because it's really happening. And to to get messages and mixed messages from our leadership, like, hey, we've got power back on, but we're not out of the woods yet. Like this this doesn't feel like it'll be over and you know hopefully in two weeks we'll all be running around in shorts and and t-shirts because that's texas for you uh but it it, there's a lot of cleanup that's going to have to happen from this yeah yeah. this does happen here like it you know the reason our grade didn't go off is because we winterized after 2011 you know, 2011 to 2014 were extremely cold years and we had weather really similar to this but we've had temperatures lower than this. I don't think we set records with this. You know, maybe we set a duration record, but but I don't think so. Like I think I've read in several places that 1983 was was worse than this or tied. So this isn't super uncommon. This this and then 1989 was bad too. Right. So this has happened a couple of times in my lifetime, and this has happened a couple of times in my dad's lifetime, and actually in my grandfather and great grandfather's lifetime, this weather was par for the course. It actually was. You can look at the you can look at the historical data on that. So, you know, they didn't have problems like this at, at during those times. Um, you know, so what changed? And we've identified that on the show. And where do we go from here? It has to be fixed. Somebody has to be held accountable, and this system has to go. Like this, this just has to go. We need to throw this entire model out and go back to the way things were. And one of our friends was like, "This is a Texan model. This is Texans doing." And it's like, yeah, the guys that gave this to us, they weren't actually from here. And the Texan way of doing things actually was what we had before. we. And, and I mean, even the, the yearly conversation that we have about Texas seceding, I mean, it's, it's as funny as I, I can't even think of an analogy, but it's just every single year yet. Yeah, this year's the year that we're going to secede. And when you, when you look at situations like this, where our entire power grid who runs by, I mean, there's three West coast, East coast, Texas, and the one, one out of three goes out. I mean, 33% of the United States power just went out. You know, is, is my math right on that? I mean, that's, it's crazy. Or one, one third yeah, of the, yeah. of the power grid, I should say. And, you know, like, I actually, when I was younger, I was like, yeah, Texas secession, it'll be great. And I was, like, all about it. Um, and, it, you know, as I've gotten older and I got involved in politics several times in, on the state level and I just, um, yeah, it's a terrible idea. These these people that, that run your state, they're not Texans like you. 
and they don't have your interest at heart. They do not give a crap about you. And they they have set policies in place. Like, it, it's amazing. Texans always do want to secede, but the people who have showed up and gotten involved in politics here basically gave us a power system, which is the most critical thing to have for a nation that is incapable of supporting itself. So, yeah. Uh, I think that those people were at least disingenuous, to say the least, and they pretty much prevented you from ever seceding. If, if changes don't happen, major changes to the grid, and, and guess what? We don't have the money for it. That, that's, what, what sucks is there, there probably is nothing there that can be done uh, to fix this problem. And, and this is probably going to happen again because we literally, as a nation, as a state, we do not have the funds at this point to fix our grid, and that's very scary. But they damn sure made sure that you'll never be able to leave the union. With this power grid, this power grid is unacceptable, and it, it, without federal response and aid, and without other grids that are not independent in this state, this state would have lost its power grid, and millions of people's lives would have been in jeopardy. And if the grid had failed, millions of people would have died, and they would have died in the first few months of a down grid. I mean, it kind of begs the question: if we're having this much problem right now with a weeks-long winter storm, and this is probably going to trickle down over the next couple of months. Well, the next couple of months we're heading into hurricane season. Yeah. Then what? Yeah. I mean, and and we, we've had more power. We, I mean, in my lifetime, the, the older I've gotten, we have had more and more problems restoring power in the state. Uh, mm-hmm. during the it floods worse every year in, in Houston, whatever drainage issues that they have. But it just seems like every year is like hurricanes are, are about to hit Houston. And it's like, you know, you just without question, well, Houston's going to be underwater for a week. And it yeah, gets and worse every year. And I both grew up there and we both remember a time where floods were actually very uncommon. Very incredibly uncommon. It was like you get water up to your knees and then it would be gone 30 minutes later. Yeah, and it would never get in your house. No. Like, I, I, I never, growing up, never knew anybody that got water in their house. That, that didn't happen until I was in, like, junior high, and that started happening. That happened once when I was in junior high, and then after that, it was, it was kind of a gap period. But from, like, you know, 20 years old and on, it, it's like a yearly thing where just thousands of people are homeless, and their homes are wrecked. Well, and insurance premiums go up. I mean, this is, this is a cascading effect. Yeah, I mean, this is... I don't, you know, people say, oh, well, Texas is subsiding and, uh, you know, we have more people and we've, you know, not managed our drainage districts properly, all of that. This is why, honestly, I, I hate to say this, but this is why it's very important to control populations. I'm not talking about actual population control and like sterilization or birth control or anything like that. That's not what I'm talking about. But, you know, like we've had millions of people in the state of Texas just show up unannounced. Millions millions at least 11 million people they have to live somewhere you know that they, they, they have to go somewhere and all of this massive construction we've seen i mean they like to say it's because people from other states are moving here actually most of it is from illegal immigration and it was never it was never funded we didn't have the tax base to prepare for it and then once they were here everything about their living situations were completely mismanaged and now we have massive flooding problems we have a higher draw on our electric grid we have you know, no way to fund any of these projects because our tax base has been lowered and we're subsidizing the lives of a lot of people and their children. And this is a massive problem. And I know that's my soapbox and I'll, I'll get off of it, but like th- this state 
if you think that this state is just going to one day leave the union and it's going to be a successful place, you're very wrong because this didn't happen in Mexico. Mexico didn't have this many problems during the storm. And guess what? They had brutal temperatures too. And the power grid there is ultimately, I, I don't know if it's, if it's more or less reliable. I bet it's less reliable. But I don't think that we're far from that standard of life anymore in this, in this state. I mean, recently I was in a hospital in an emergency room there was like blood stains and grime and shit like all over the floor and the ER and the waiting area. It was just like, I, I have not seen that dare, that type of dereliction in this country before. And that low standard is becoming the new standard all across the state. You can see it every single day. Yeah. And I, I hate to like leave the audience with no solutions as far as like, who do you call? Who do you blame? I mean, it's it's a mixed bag when you when you talk about that situation what we can offer and i think what we've been offered since episode one is understanding the importance of preparedness one of our good friends gino you know he he gets on his uh social media he he gets on his social media (laughs) and he talks about preparedness all the time and the the resonating uh what is the word i'm looking for the the res- the resounding message that i get from him when he posts is over the last 10 15 20 years and and this is even for myself as well having come from a military background is people make fun of you like oh you're just a crazy prepper you you know you don't need to have extra this and extra that like it's okay to have a few things but you're taking it to the extreme well let me ask you this how many days have you gone without power and heat and water I mean, yeah, how many days have Gino has Gino gone out with that? Oh, that's right. He's, he's perfectly fine. He's good. He's got food. He's got, <laughs> yeah. he's got ways to cook. He's got ways to keep his family dry and warm. And I mean, that's not to say that, you know, go out and buy a $8,000 generator today, but at the same time, you need to start making a plan. Start with a plan at the very least have something in place I mean, it, it's hindsight's twenty twenty. Like, I wish I would have had this and this. We weren't 100% prepared. We thought we were. And when it comes to our family, our food and everything, yes, we were prepared. And we thought we had enough for the animals. But it came to be Tuesday and Wednesday. And we we're like, oh, man, we're literally running very low for our animals, our livestock. And we couldn't leave the house. Like, ice on the road, snow. And I ventured out. And by myself, just in, in the event that it was crazy. And I was, I mean, I was crawling on a, on a 75 mile an hour highway. I was probably going 20 and there were times where I would take a left turn or a right turn and the truck would just start going all by itself. And I had to recover. And I'm like, you know, I almost went into the Jack in the box drive through without wanting to go through the Jack in the box drive through. So, I mean, there's a level of preparedness that you have to start taking into account for not only yourself, your animals, your family, your friends, your, your extended community. And it's always after these events that it's, it's the whole hindsight, but that's when you should take advantage of it, make a list and start thinking to yourself, okay, we went without heat for so many days. What could we do differently? We went without water for so many days. What could we do differently? Again, we had no power, just like in a hurricane. What would you have done in a hurricane situation? You could leave. I see so many people right now, like hating on Ted Cruz because he took his daughters to Mexico. Yeah. If I could have left, I'd be gone. (laughs) Nine out of uh, nine out of 10 people, if they were given a plane ticket to Florida right now would leave. 
that's that's very there is an indictment there and it's not on ted cruz but when you have to flee to mexico because your infrastructure sucks so bad <laughs> there's there's a serious problem with what you're doing and yeah. like you know you me and gene we don't have we don't worry like if the power goes out and, and like we haven't lost power but he has right. and like he's not worried about it and they got a boil water notice yeah he, he's prepared for situations like this i just i'm not concerned about stuff like this i've taken my own personal security in my into my hands everyone should be and be very honest with you all three of us if there was a an actual grid down situation i guess me and sal would be okay because of where we live but like that that's still concerning even for a prepper because it's the human element at that point that is Mm -hmm. very concerning you're going to end up you will probably end up having to defend yourself right and 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 that's a that's a very real thing so there are certain things that yeah you, you you can't just fully prepare for God, you don't have to outrun the bear all the time. You just got to outrun the other people that are <laughs> running for the bear. Yep. But I and mean, go go ahead, man. I was just gonna say if you if you have any closing thoughts on it. I mean, I I think we can beat a dead horse till yeah, no, I, till I kingdom come. I think that's good. I I think that you know, if you don't know who to hold accountable, I, I think it's seriously time just to start yelling at everybody. Um, you know, uh, this is a long time coming ultimately. I mean, this literally goes back to the seventies and, you know, outside influence and the, the, the governor Bush administration, uh, in the nineties. So this goes back a while, but this has been a long time coming. And there's a lot of people that were involved in causing this, um, and just start yelling at all of them. You know, I'm a conservative person. But I'm not a I'm I'm in no means uh, above yelling at rhinos, and I'm I'm in I'm no at no means uh, above yelling at a true conservative who's just a net. There are good people who are actually conservative who are just um, you know uncapable or incapable of doing uh, certain jobs, and they shouldn't be in that office. And I'll yell at them too, even though I I think they're probably good people. I'm just going to yell at them because ultimately we have to be provided the services we're paying. You have to keep that in mind. I think that's the most important takeaway from this whole thing. Well, guys, this has been another episode of The New Normal. If you guys are interested in hearing more from us, if you enjoy these uh, conversations, we'd love to get your feedback. You can hit us up on our Facebook page. You can always check us out at newnormalpod.com. And of course, wherever you listen to us, iTunes, Spotify, Google, please do consider rating, leaving a review, and subscribing to the show. Until then, stay safe. And welcome to the new normal.